Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Now, we have seen lots of talk around anti-asylum seeker protests in the news recently. These have been held, of course, in Ballymoney's Wall, from my Killarney, Drada, everywhere across the length and breadth of the country. And you may have seen images of people standing in groups with signs saying, Ireland is full, no to refugees. And even some of those videos, by the way, from Ballymoney, where people are standing outside the travel lodge saying, out, 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 go back to your own country and all that kind of carry on. Really, they're taking the protest to the wrong place. It's not the individuals inside. It's not their fault that policy may be right or wrong. Anyway, they say their communities cannot take the influx of asylum seekers they are receiving and they're angry about the lack of communication from the government. Uh, Some say this is evidence of a rise in the far right, where others would say this is evidence of a working class understrain. Here to discuss the recent findings on whether Ireland is in fact experiencing a rise in the far right is Kieran O'Connor, an analyst from the Institute of Strategic Dialogue. Good afternoon to you, Kieran. I know how you doing. Uh, Kieran, there is no doubt that, you know, there's a, certainly a rise in this aggression when we talk about these particular protests. Uh, and what were the scenes in Ballymun, particularly at the start, when we saw people gathered outside and shouting out, 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 or leave, leave, leave. You know, I, I don't know what, who the people are inside there and how they must have felt. It would have been quite intimidating. These people, they're protesters with the government if they feel policy is wrong. So, so how do they achieve that without coming across as being these right-wing racists? Yeah, well, that's the nub of the issue. And I suppose it's, first of all, important just to, to clarify and state that, you know, a rise in asylum seeker protest is not the same as saying that there's, you know, a rise in far-right activities. There, there are different things. There are local communities across the country who have local concerns. They have... Uh, issues over a lack of engagement or a lack of communication from local authorities, from national government, and they're exercising that right to to protest. And lots of, I suppose, their uh, grievances or their arguments are based around those things, are based around a lack of consultation, lack of engagement. But what they're not doing is they're not saying... Uh, they're not describing, you know, asylum seekers as invaders, or they're not describing things as a plantation. But with the movement and and within kinds of rallies around the country, you are seeing uh, people who hold uh, far right political ideologies and political views attending, speaking at. In some cases, seems to be organising some of these protests as well and using this uh, protest uh, kind of movement as a way to promote their own uh, exclusionary mm-hmm. kind of political ideologies and beliefs that, I mean, that combine different I've spoken forms of here on, racism and xenophobia. I, sorry? I, I've spoken to some of the, these mm-hmm. protesters, uh, more so on the nighttime show, and mm-hmm. some of them I'd listen to and I'm quite happy to debate with and I'm quite happy to talk to and I understand some of their grievances in relation to policy or immigration policy, etc., etc. Some of them are clear racists and they just, or maybe they're just uneducated. I'm not too sure. Uh, It's kind of, there's a balance in between somewhere there. But when we talk about a far right, there's equally, I suppose, across the world, the far left. And does the far left not push the far right I suppose, into its ideologies as well. I mean, we all know that right-wing beliefs, they kind of support conservatism and, and economic liberalism and they, they oppose socialism and communism. But by contrast, or should I say the left, should I say, but by contrast, the far right is used to describe those who favour, I suppose, an absolutist government. So 
realistically, when you have a far left which is rising, uh, liberalism across the world, you are equally going to have a far right rising to balance that in some way. Now, a lot of that is hate fueled. I'm not suggesting it's not. But I've seen equal hate fueling on the left as well. So, unfortunately, both seem to be rising, don't they? Yes, I'd agree with that. Uh, I think there's an element of um, one side feeds off the other, one side almost requires the other to, to oppose and kind of op- and mobilize against. Uh, and any form of extremism or political ideology taken to that far end of the spectrum is uh, ultimately dangerous and harmful towards local communities, but also towards uh, democracy as well. And uh, within I mean, we haven't seen it here in Ireland, for example, but take in the US, you know, we've seen far-left groups opposing far-right groups on the street leading to violence, and at any turn, that itself is a, is a dangerous conclusion of where these things um, can go. So, yes, uh, any, any, any extremes mm. uh, in, in, uh, in, in terms of opposing uh, these kinds of political ideologies are, yeah. There's, there's I mean, do the, there, do the government themselves in their own era sometimes promote, you know, both far-right and far-left, particularly far-right at the moment, because that's what we're talking about. Do they promote that themselves by, I suppose, pushing people? When you, say, for example, try to shut down debate, and I'm talking about logical debate, I'm not talking about xenophobia or racism, Mm. but when you try and shut down debate and say, this is the way it's going to be, say, for example, if we're talking about immigration, um, oh yeah, we're quite happy to do everything we can at the moment, it doesn't matter how many Ukrainians come into the country, it doesn't matter how many international people come in seeking asylum, Uh, that's what we're going to do and we're going to support them. That then shuts down the debate, and anybody who says different is a racist. It, does that shut down the debate and then create this division and create people to go that one step further and say, well, I'm going to stand outside a hotel and start roaring at people? Do you understand what I'm saying? It, uh, and usually the less educated. But it, does that then push that debate forward and create this far right? Well, I suppose the distinctions that governments will try and make in that regard is to try and limit the possibility of harmful or hurtful speech that might attack someone or kind of uh, dehumanize or other them, you know, make them an other uh, based on their race or based on their ethnicity or their gender or these kinds of things. And that's the kind of distinction I would imagine that governments try and strike. Now, they don't always get it right in Ireland and elsewhere. And yeah, of course, there's potential for people to then be exercised and angered and frustrated over um, over those kinds of policies, but also towards government programs and how they're uh, trying to deal with this and the kind of the, the policy um, what's the word failure I suppose mm-hmm. that it kind of led to a lot of the pressures uh, across the system in Ireland as well I mean that's what we're talking about and there is clear strain on resources in Ireland at the moment but the the people who are not to blame for that are uh, asylum seekers or refugees from any part of the world they are the people that are open to that should be criticised or should be uh, perhaps protested are people who are in government who are designed as policy certainly not the people who are in refugee and accommodation centres across the country. All right, I'm just looking at some of the text coming in. All right, somebody says, I am called far right and to make me have no voice, I will never accept them, uh, asylum seekers. Uh, well, I think you know, I think it's an unfair comment because I think there are genuinely people from around the world who are fleeing war, who are fleeing certain death. And I think every country should help as much as they possibly can when it comes to them. But then again, I, I'm not suggesting there aren't economic migrants too. And I don't think we all have a huge responsibility in relation to that. We have some responsibility. Uh, I can just jump in there very quickly now. Sorry, just you see it time and time again, people saying, if I hold certain views, am I far right? And no, you you don't. But But, but I've been accused of being far right. 
And, and, I, really? and, I, and I'm, Kieran, I am far from far right. For example, mm-hmm. I'm conservative. I'm happy to admit I'm a conservative. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not ashamed of being conservative. For example, I don't agree with abortion. But I, do, I would never judge somebody for having an abortion. I, I would never walk, I'm not walking a mile in their shoes. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I don't try to, ju- I try not to judge other people for making their own decisions in life. But I don't Certainly, have some and I, and, I, and, I, and I agree with you wholeheartedly there. What I suppose what I'm trying to say is that there is a, a lazy labelling that happens, be it online, in discussions online, or um, in, in the news or in the media sometimes as well. But criticising, uh, I suppose, the migration policies or asylum seeker policies of a country based on resources and things like that, that does not make somebody far right. Of course it doesn't. But labelling people as invaders or... Absolutely. Uh, a plantation ...based on the fact that they are not white, ethnically, homogeneously Irish... I agree. Lend towards an I agree. I, but, but I agree. But the problem is, Kieran, we don't. We're not allowed to have those debates anymore. Because now, mind you, Leo Varadkar did mention during the week that we did have to look at limits on international people seeking international protection. He did actually say that during the week, or suggest that certainly some mm-hmm. some way. And I think we do need to have those discussions. I mean, we do need to get to a point where we say, okay, you know. Obviously, we can help as many Ukrainians as possible, but there's a limit to what we can do as a small country with a small economy and a small amount of accommodation, uh, particularly in the middle of our own housing crisis as well. Mm. So there's, there's limits to what we can do. And I would hate to think that we're inviting people to come to a country and leaving them out on the streets or in tents. That's the last thing we want. Okay, I, okay. some of the other text messages comes in. Tom says, um, a text message from Tom, hate on the left is seen as acceptable, but not on the right. But I don't, I don't think hate is acceptable at any level, but mm. I suppose the point he's making is that that you can get away with an awful lot more if you're on the right side of the argument on the left side, so should I say. But in other words, on the right side of the argument. Would that be fair to say? Uh, I suppose it goes back to your own kind of definition of what side you might see it on and then the other side perhaps maybe uh, shutting down your sentient speech, but it really does, at least the way I see it, comes down to how you're defining yourself and maybe how you view yourself in your own um, view of political ideologies and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. In relation to how we describe far right, I mean, we've, I suppose history repeats itself over and over again. If we go back in time, of course, the right or the conservatives were the ones that were silencing the world when it came to religion. Um, now we're, we've kind of swung the pendulum the other way, where it's the right are screaming for their right to speak because they're not being allowed to speak anymore. I suppose, isn't that a bit of an argument there that history tends to swing from side to side when it comes to right and left or Democrats and Republicans, whichever way you want to look at it? It, it tends to swing from side to side. It does, yeah, and and and, and it's, it's also lazy in a lot of ways because none of us are uh, on either side in, in, in black and white terms. I mean, pick the issue or pick the topic or pick something else, and people have wildly different beliefs and, and, and ideologies depending on, uh, and depending on their own kind of background as well. I mean, when we talk about uh, far-right in our work, I mean, it might help you to give a, a, a definition the way we define it. Yep. We define the term as as groups and individuals that support or uh, endorse political ideologies that, that feature some of the following uh, features. So kind of that very narrow nationalism, the one that is exclusionary and says something like Ireland for the white Irish, that kind of thing. But then also, as well as that, you have racism, xenophobia, uh, anti-democratic uh, features, and then kind of strong state or strong government uh, advocacies as well so that's how we and, and I wouldn't disagree with that I, and yeah. I think you're 100% right but the problem you have then within that definition is you say then uh, racism we'll take racism for example because that's what we're talking about in relation to these protests who defines what racism is 
you know, when somebody has a concern, say about immigration policy and a genuine concern, and and you know, and and they word that in such a way that they believe it's certainly not racist, and it's not obviously racist. But then somebody who maybe has an interest or a vested interest from an NGO decides that's a racist comment because we don't agree with it. Uh, so that then can be defined as racism, and then all of a sudden they're into that category as well of of being right wing. Is that not what's happening sometimes too? Well, certainly, yeah. There's there's going to be elements of that, of course, and it, it, there's there's no one singular uh, arbiter of of these definitions. No, but you have the NGOs who they will have if they're if they're professional and if they're transparent, but they'll have those kinds of definitions on their website, or they'll you know stand over like when we when we publish reports, we put out methodologies that 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 definition that I just. Uh, explain to you there that's on any report in which we focus on you know far-right extremism or far-right groups and those kinds of definitions should be um, central to how you're you know putting forward your report and how you're standing over your research and your report and your findings and those kinds of things but yes those terms are also thrown around uh, quite loosely and they can become um, pejorative terms as well if there's a kind of political edge to Mm. a lot of these conversations too but Criticize the policy, not the person, and take aim at the policy, not the person. And that's really what's central to all this. And what we've seen over the last few months in regards to these anti-Islam secret protests is a protest movement that at times has has kind of has targeted the people who have come here and have and have criticized them based on their ethnicity or based on their um, kinds of background. And also the really kind of potentially dangerous thing within these uh, kind of protest movements, especially when you factor in the online dimensions, is that because of the nature of social and digital media and messaging platforms and all these kinds of things, you see misleading mm-hmm. false and inflammatory claims run wild. Oh, yeah. No, so, I, I did see one video with some guy who seemingly is famous on the right wing, um, and he was interviewing an asylum seeker outside one of these places. And start asking him where he got his runners. And I'm going, what has that got to do with anything at all? Why, mm. why, why is he not allowed to have a pair of runners because he happens mm. to be black? You know, I mean, it was just an outrageous video. And I suppose, that, and then other people are joining in and going, oh, yeah, where did he get the runners? I thought he's supposed to be a sub. And I'm going, are, are you people mad? Is there something wrong with you? So I even struggle to understand that. But don't, when you have individuals and there are key players. There's probably, you know, in these particular protests, there's a few key players who tend to turn up at all these type of protests, not just immigration protests. They turn up at the anti-vaccine protests. They turn up at other protests. And they're nutcases. But unfortunately, what they they prey on, they'll have a microphone in their hand or whatever it is, and they'll prey on those who are less educated in society or maybe unsure. Yes, and what we're seeing around the country are a lot of these same figures who are in, uh, they're in one county one day and another county a few days later, and these are the people who are maybe not organising, but certainly speaking or certainly kind of taking their soapbox moment to stand up and to talk about uh, asylum seekers through the prisms of their ethnicity or their background or these uh, kinds of things. And there's almost a, a familiar pattern that, that's um, taking shape across the country. You have a video purporting to show a bus full of asylum seekers arrive at a location. Videos who might the video might have been taken by a person who just happened to be passing, and they take a video, they send it around on WhatsApp. But then that video gets posted. And there's a, there's a frame. Okay, and, 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 that, and that started off with the one in East Wall, exactly. if I remember rightly. But, but would it not serve the government better? Um, and I, I know we're, I'm conscious we're running out of time, but would it not serve the government better to be more open with these communities? Because I don't want to suggest, for example, that everyone in these communities is uneducated or everyone is a racist. Mm-hmm. Some people have genuine concerns, and that's okay too. 
but but would it not serve the government uh, to better to go to these communities and say, you know, well, look, you know, here's what we're doing. We've got a group of 200 people. You know, there's, I know, so many men and so many families and children. They need somewhere to stay. Is there any chance your community could get together and help them out in some way, maybe in the future give them jobs or whatever it is, and talk to the communities? When you are sneaking people in, if that's the word you want to use in the dead of night, then that mm-hmm. almost looks sinister. And that even, I believe, it makes matters worse. Because it drives yeah. people. So yeah, I, I think I, the I, lack of communication between the state and the people is, is not helping as well. Totally, totally. There's a clear strain on resources um, because of the, the war in Ukraine and, and, and then record asylum seeker applications numbers. There's a clear strain on resources. And because of that, then, there's a scramble by the government and by the, the relevant departments to find accommodation. And this has resulted in there being little engagement with local communities and that in turn has fostered resentment and also has fostered a vacuum of information and that's where the kind of misinformation mm-hmm. yeah. uh, aspects that I spoke um, mentioned. And then the, the, the risk then is that into that void, into that vacuum are stepping uh, people who do have solutions, albeit they're extreme ones that are coloured by hate and xenophobia. The only selective, uh, the only sorry, effective solution has to be greater engagement, greater dialogue with locals, faster processing times for applications, and community-led initiatives that allow communities to direct their ire across, uh, toward those who are responsible for these crises facing the country and, and, offer, and, then, and, and the government need to offer realistic, long-term solutions to this crisis. Otherwise, extremists will continue to take advantage of this situation and we can expect to revisit these scenes again again in the future. Can I ask you, Kieran, just your own personal opinion, if it's not too much to ask, your feeling in relation to Ukrainian refugees in Ireland uh, and the help we're giving them and also people seeking international protection, do you believe there should be limits on the numbers? Or do you, are, are, would you be in favour, as some people are, and I accept as well, are in favour of open borders? Do you believe there should be limits? It's not as simple a question, I don't think, of if, if there should be limits or not. I think in a time of crisis like that, Ireland has played a, a big role, uh, an important role, and I'm, I'm glad to see that Ireland has been able to house so many uh, Ukrainian refugees have been able to flee their country, and mm-hmm. I suppose that's where I stand for the moment. Okay. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed, and I appreciate you coming on the air. Kieran O'Connor, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Uh, real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Ireland's classic hit.